0: Okay, if you're you're hearing this, it means that you have delved back into the early episodes of the show. And whilst we really appreciate that, we just want to give a, I guess, a little disclaimer, Matthias. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, the
1: early episodes, I was editing this whole thing on a very amateur platform. And we basically just recorded a Zoom call. So um, that's why the quality isn't, you know,
0: awesome. Yeah, we we didn't have proper microphones we didn't have proper headphones but and thankfully it's grown grown into something that's, that's fairly successful now we are able to have proper equipment and hire people to take care of all that pesky um audio side of things but we just wanted to put this out there and let people know that if if you do check out the early episodes and the sound quality isn't perfect which we know it isn't please just jump ahead and listen to some of those later episodes I don't know if you' have Got a couple that you particularly like that people can start on, Matthias?
1: Oh, I mean, some of my favorites, are, of course, uh, the Howlmall episodes we did with the Ed Gamester or um, uh, the talks that we had with uh, Shane as well. They were hilarious.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, we've got fan favorites like Aina Selvik and all of Heilung who joined us for an episode. Um, and Lesa Gadelia was one of my personal favorites.
1: Yes, and Terry Connell as well has, has some very interesting talks with some really high-profile professors. So go check him out.
0: And yeah, now we're just dropping names. Now we just <laughs> <names>. <laughs> No, we thank you for for starting out with the early episodes, and please do listen to them. We you know we still put a lot of love and effort into them, but you do have to bear with us on the on the audio side of things. It does get better as you go through the episodes, and and I guess it's quite a. Some people enjoy seeing us go through that motion and go from amateur to a little less amateur, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's jump into the show. Welcome to episode nine of the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, hello. Yeah. So to start, we just want to start off by saying that we are going to be adding a- an ad every so often into into the episodes. This is basically just so we can keep growing the podcast. We've we've been growing faster than we ever. We ever thought possible and and to keep giving you guys the better quality that we that we want to we need to start hiring an editor producer we the the, the the hosting platform for the podcast so we're going to keep the adverts as simple as possible we're going to slide them in as seamlessly as possible but also they're going to be things that relate to you as listeners so we're going to be picking them very carefully people who are, are they're going to be advertising things that we think that you're going to be interested in, not just a case of any any old rubbish.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Shan, our, um, uh, our editor, has been uh, very kind and, and given us a very good price. So I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's only fair that we, we generate a little bit of uh, uh, income on ads so that uh, we, for instance, can pay him.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's his first ever shout out as well. Yeah, <laughs>
1: well, I, I feel like he needed a, a shout out because he's he's done a really good job, um, basically improving our quality. Um, I mean, we 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 went from from me sitting and uh, and editing everything, and I have no background in <laughs> in all of this stuff, to somebody who's actually a professional who 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 does this because uh, he believes in it as well. So I think that's pretty cool.
0: That's it, yeah. And just the just the information alone that he. He told us before he actually started editing anything was, was revolutionary to, to our podcast making. You know, it turned out for the first five episodes, I was talking to the wrong side of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always, uh, there's always these things to be learned. There are. It's a, le- it's a learning process, and uh, we're,
1: you know, we're figuring it out um but um but i feel like uh you know we're we're improving and fast even so that's it so i'm
0: and yeah i think even even with the addition of of a couple of ads we we're not making money from it it's not a case of that we're going to be lining our pockets right we we do this for for free we don't earn anything and the small amount of revenue from the ads is literally going to be going to to paying the necessary people to just keep improving and keep growing
1: yeah exactly all right so um let's hear about what you've been up to lately daniel because i know that uh that some interesting things have been going on in york lately
0: yeah that's it uh all beside the weather we (laughs) we have the the annual jorvik viking festival so if if anybody who's listening doesn't know what that is it's the i would say the largest viking festival in the uk and basically everybody who's interested in this this kind of Community all gathers there for it's on for a week officially, but usually the, the second weekend is the the big one. Everyone gets together, buries the hatchet on any differences, and we all have a beer and get drunk and, and have a have a good time really. Usually we end up in a pub and and Sean Parry, the artist, the tattoo artist, ends up singing some crazy songs. <laughs> I think the last time we were there, the, the whole pub ended up um face painted in war paint by him so that's usually a good experience
1: <laughs> that's that sounds like a lot of fun sounds like party in the viking way you know <laughs> that's it
0: yeah i mean it's not often you get one of the best norse tattooists probably in the world i would say that comes around and just draws on your face for for fun <laughs> and uh
1: you mentioned to me that something happened as well as you were standing there with your booth like uh Somebody came up to you and recognized you. Oh,
0: uh, look, you're going to make me feel like I'm famous now. <laughs> you are, man. So, so, yeah, so we had a, a trade stall, stall there and a very lovely gentleman came up to the stall and was looking and heard me speaking to, to somebody else that was there and turned around and looked at me and was like, do you do the uh, naughty Mythology podcast? I recognize your voice, <laughs> which was a, a strange moment for me, for sure.
1: <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I've never been recognized for my voice alone.
0: <laughs> no, no, that was definitely was a a first for me. Um, it was it was unusual. I didn't know quite how to take it. I think the fact I'd had a few beers made it easier.
1: Oh yes, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the old social lubrication.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: But it was a it was a fun weekend. It was unfortunate that quite a few of the the activities that. Because the Orvik Festival is run by the Yorvik Viking Center. So they're is the York Archaeological Trust. So they put this festival every year at great expense to them. But unfortunately, a lot of the events that they put on wound up being sort of having to be cancelled really because of the the weather. It's been Raining for about two weeks over here. The wind's been ridiculous, so they normally have a a big sort of reenactment battle on the Saturday that they had to cancel. Oh, that's the, unfortunate. Yeah, the encampment that they have, where it's usually a bunch of a bunch of people come in who do traditional crafts so blacksmithing, uh, silversmithing. You know, people with woodworking with lathes and that kind of thing. They all had to be moved because of the weather, so it did put a little bit of a dampener on it. But hey ho, you you carry on and you all have a drink at the end of the day and it's all, it's all good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a certain, I don't know, a certain feeling to that. Right. Um, you, you, when you're, I mean, I've been on, i don't know hundreds maybe even thousands of viking markets uh <laughs> through my lifetime and um there's a certain feeling to uh like to the, the community and uh and like that the social um, uh, interactions when you have those kinds of situations with really shitty weather and <laughs> you all gather in a tent and then you sit there and drink mead and beer.
0: <laughs> that's it, yeah, you all pull together. I think the one thing about the, the Viking community is that it is usually is a, a community of good people who all want to help each other out. If they see somebody struggling, they're going to try and pick them up and help them. So that's always, that's always nice to see you all try and just help each other through the tough times and enjoy the good times together as well
1: yeah that's what it's all about
0: yeah so there i know there's something you want to talk about um yeah the, so i haven't
1: been up to anything particularly exciting the last you know, a couple of weeks unfortunately um just just you know keeping my head down working hard on on all the different things but yeah no it, it, something did happen like uh, so it's like if we you could call it like Vikings in the News or, or something like that. Um, this Scandinavian Airlines company, uh, SAS, which is owned by, uh, the Danish, Swedish and Norwegian governments. Um, they founded it back, I think in the 50s or something like that as, as sort of like a collaborative. And, um, now, now SAS, they put out a, an ad, um, that uh, got a lot of attention. Because it's sort of a a, a funny little cheeky, uh, provocative ad where they um, uh, are basically saying there's nothing that's truly Scandinavian. That's that's how it begins. Like, um, what's truly Scandinavian? Then they go through all of these different things that we Scandinavians consider very Scandinavian. And then they're like, well, that comes from there, that comes from there, and that comes from there, and so on and so on. And that pissed a lot of people off. Actually, there was a bomb threat that was called into the ad agency in Denmark. (laughs) Wow! Yeah, I mean, it was it was a fake bomb threat, but still, nonetheless, that's
0: pretty extreme.
1: Yeah, I mean, you 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 don't know
0: it's fake until you find out that it's fake. So until that moment, it's very real.
1: Yeah. So 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 that was kind of insane. Um, But that's of course tells you a little bit about how uh, some people react to whoa. they're telling us that uh, our culture comes from elsewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I I watched it just before we started. I it, I've been that busy. I, I missed me. It passed me by. So, like I wanted to ask you is whether you found it offensive in any possible way that the I guess yeah the the advert is basically like you say it lists all the things that are uh, sort of iconically. Scandinavian and then says well actually this came from China or this came from Turkey like I think the Danish pastry is the one that comes to to mind and they say that that I think it might be Turkish or 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 something like Uh, that Austrian yeah Austrian so in any way as a Scandinavian does that does that bother you in any way that they kind of take these things and uh, and say that well they're not actually Scandinavian they come from from elsewhere no because they're By the way, the the the
1: the, the Danish pastries called Danishes—they're they're actually not Austrian; they're they're Jewish. Um, <laughs> so, I I've, if if there's anything that sort of like uh, annoyed me is that they didn't say that they were Jewish. <laughs> so the advert
0: was wrong as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they did come from Austria. It was uh, Jewish bakers from Austria, but
0: oh, okay, okay. I think that's the, probably the case with a lot of things though. It's hard to pinpoint the exact moment where something was was first done. Yeah, no, and, and 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 also like
1: if you think about this, it boils down to what kind of pastries you eat, what kind of uh footwear you have and, and so on. That that's that's your identity. Th- those are just things if you ask me like uh it that doesn't matter i, I don't care if the swedish meatballs of, were invented in turkey um the turks probably got it from somewhere else <laughs> you like it's a pretty simple maneuver to to take some minced meat and then fashion it into a ball right um when you think about it in that way then it doesn't really matter that much um i mean there was there was one thing where um i saw some pretty strong reactions actually um they say in the ad, they say that the democracy is not particularly Scandinavian. They'd say, oh, it comes from Greece. And uh, that got a lot of attention by people in the Viking sort of realm, both researchers and people with various kinds of interests. Because there is this, you know, long-standing myth, basically, that the Scandinavian democracies were invented by Vikings and that they had an influence on... Um, for instance the Magna Carta and eventually the emergence of democracy in England as well and that is that is a, a truth with a stretch or mo- multiple modifications at best
0: yeah t- to quickly interject I mean when we were in Iceland earlier in the year as soon as you get into the the airport in in, in Iceland there is a big wall that says kind of like the 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 first place of democracy, the founding place of democracy. And then when you go and uh, to Thingvilla, the, the the national park, obviously there's the, the law rock there, and it's all centered around this being the first place of of democracy, of how the people all came together and, and they had a lawmaker and they discussed things and, and decided what laws they wanted to to rule at the time. And I made a nice little post about it whilst I was there. Telling everyone this was the first place of democracy and how great the Vikings were. And then you sent me a nice little private message basically saying, no, you're wrong. Can't <laughs> wait to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> so here's your chance to, uh, to kind of tell me how wrong I actually was. Well, so, I mean, so
1: when it comes to parliament, right, um, Iceland did have a parliament, Um, Back in the Viking Age and in the early medieval period until Iceland became part of Norway in 1262. And especially from the 1270s where the Norwegian law um, or the king basically made a new law for the entire realm and then refashioned everything. So, So parliament is correct. But parliament is an institution where people of various standing Uh, interact in order to make rules right and uh, the important thing to consider here is that the way that we consider democracy today is fundamentally different from just a couple of hundred years ago right Um, modern democracy is at least in principle involving everybody if you're uh, you know a citizen of the UK you have the right to vote Um, I'm a citizen of Denmark I have the right to vote in Denmark Um, And so on and so forth. But go back 100 years, go back uh, 150 years, and the only people who had the right to vote in those kinds of democracies were landowners. So, is that a democracy? No, it's not. That's an oligarchy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and so that's, it's not—it's not, it's not a true democracy.
1: No, and that's the same uh, when we go back to you know ancient Greece and Rome and so on. You know, there's there's always been uh, these scenarios where some people did not have the possibility to vote. So therefore, you cannot call that a a true democracy. You can call it various stages of democracy, perhaps. And that's also the case with medieval Iceland. It was only the landowners who, were, uh, who had the right to vote. And the people who lived on their land did not have any political power or freedom. They were um, uh, compelled to vote with the, um, uh, uh, the landowner to the extent that they were allowed uh, to come uh, with them to the Althingi, the General Assembly. And just to give you a, a short uh, um, background... ...for this uh, type of democracy, or whatever we want to call it, that uh, emerges in Iceland. So, uh, the Icelandic Althing, the General Assembly, is sort of more or less a copy... ...with modifications of the Kulathing uh, Assembly in Norway, which then of course... ...already there, well, no, the Icelanders didn't invent it, they brought it from Norway. And where does, where does the Norwegian Gula thing come from? Well, it comes from a very, very old tradition uh, of having such parliaments, which might actually be inspired by Rome, uh, ultimately. We know that, you know, Germanic tribes, when Tacitus in the first century AD is, uh, is describing them, that some of them, they have these uh, parliaments too. And um, it looks like warrior parliaments, actually. So... The warriors can vote. And this this is not that different from tribal councils of various kinds that we find among, you know, so many different peoples across the world. So, you know, when Icelanders say that they invented democracy, that's not true. Um, when the Greeks say that they invented democracy, that's not true either. <laughs> what they had was basically like these tribal councils um that then got more and more formalized,
0: do we know who who did invent democracy is that <laughs> Is that something that the whilst learning about who didn't have you picked that up along the way or is that something that you're not sure of well it really depends on where do you wanna
1: where in history do you wanna point to and say this is where democracy emerges as um as the uh, institution we know today i mean the French and American revolutions were definitely uh, some big steps forwards for uh, formalising modern democracies. Um, the American Constitution, at least in principle, gave rights rights to to everybody, but it was still based on the same idea of landowners as the ones who were capable of voting and so on. So, so then you have like a process of development. Um, we see democracies established in Europe. In, in the middle of the 19th century, the first democracy in Denmark, for instance, is in 1849. As a, And that's, that's, that's the king that says, here, you can have democracy now. And again, it starts out with uh, only the landowners uh, who can vote. And then you have a reform in the early uh, 20th century. And that's when everybody else can also vote. So that's how these things have gone, basically, in most places. So I would say if, you know, if you want to give credit to anybody for the modern idea of, of democracy, you would have to talk to the English and the, the French. They're, <laughs> they're, they're responsible for that. Um, so, yeah, and you could also go, to, in medieval times, you could go to the um, uh, the different Italian states. And some of them are more republics than not, you know. Hamburg was also a republic and and so on and so forth so it's as as always it's complicated right <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. for somebody to say we invented democracy and democracy exists because of us that's that's at least like at the very least is some kind of stretch
0: <laughs> yeah so it sounds like it's something that's been evolving and changing and developing since as long as humans have been around and have and eventually it's got to where we are today. So it, it depends on on a, what point throughout that development that you then say, well, this is now a form of democracy. And I assume that that will be a hot topic of debate for, for many people because everyone has their own opinions and they're going to pick a different point of, of where they say, well, now we are in a democracy. And I, and to be honest, the some of the arguments that I see all over Facebook, a lot of people would say that we're not even in a democracy or a true democracy now and that has never been achieved. So oh, yeah. you can never please everybody.
1: No, you can't. And, um, you know, if, if anything, you could say that, in going back to the ad, you could say that the Scandinavians have achieved a a certain egalitarian type of democracy. You, you know, there's, there's very... The, the distance between the people voting and the people uh, in power is is very short in general and uh, there's a lot of um, a capacity for you know uh, equal conversation uh, between uh, people in power and people who who don't have the same power so to speak uh, but that's also the case for Switzerland i mean Switzerland has a very awesome direct democracy so you know it's uh, you know you have these um, ideas of what a democracy uh, is, and then they're applied in their own cultural context, and then through time you develop something that uh, that looks more or less um, like a true democracy, if you if there is such a thing, as you say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's key to point out that just because you're saying that Iceland didn't necessarily quote-unquote create democracy that doesn't mean that you're saying or anybody else is saying what they weren't doing wasn't very good for the times and it wasn't kind of groundbreaking for the times and they weren't doing the best that they could nobody's trying to take anything away from the fact i'll say you know just because you're saying it wasn't quite classed as a democracy then it's bad it was still an amazing thing for the times it's just that it wasn't classed as a, what you would say is a, a proper democracy because not everybody had the right to vote.
1: No, exactly. And, um, yeah, no. I mean, Iceland came about in a situation where a bunch of people go somewhere, and then they they have to figure out how to live together without uh, killing each other all the time, right? And and they managed to do that for 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 several centuries until then. You know, it starts breaking down in the 13th century um or a little before then but but up until that point it seems like it was a good equilibrium that they actually managed to find which yeah you definitely have to give them credit for
0: absolutely and i would like say that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with with the. i saw it's on a completely different level but with the with the weather at the viking festival everyone banded you know you're together and you you help each other out and we we went to iceland in the winter and that is a cool place. It, <laughs> it, was, it was windy, it was snowy, and it was, we, you know, we were in, an, in modern times. We, we had a nice car with heating. The, the steering wheel was heated, <laughs> um, but it was still difficult. You know, it was still difficult getting around. It sucked walking from the car to the nice warm place where we were going. <laughs> so, you know, for, for the people back who were just starting out making a community there, you had no choice. I think it was that that community spirit. You all had to get on together and pull together and get something done, or you all died. Yeah, <laughs> it's as simple as that. So I think it was they managed to succeed and thrive because of that community spirit that was forced upon them by the weather that is there that can be so harsh and unforgiving.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you 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 have to to some extent figure it out with your neighbour. Otherwise, you get conquered by Norway. That's the Icelandic experience. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, yeah there's, uh, that always tends to happen. Right. <laughs> there's always somebody lurking. Usually, throughout history, it was the British. So I can't, I can't say anything to anybody.
1: No, no. I mean, we we Danes, we also had our fair share of that kind of stuff. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, speaking of getting conquered by Norwegians, do you want to talk about Rollo? <laughs>
0: Oh, I thought just before we jumped onto that, I know that you mentioned there was one other point with the advert. Um maybe we I know we've touched on this many times on the podcast already, and people might be sick of us speaking about kind of this area. But you you mentioned that there's a you know, there there's a black man on there and he says our Viking history. And once again, obviously people have, have got upset about that and hang gone there high horse again and and the you know i i haven't seen any of comments because i've only just saw the advert but you i assume it will be the same kind of bullshit comments that you always see
1: yeah yeah no it's um it's the same stuff where like you know people are like okay um uh who are you to talk about our viking ancestors and all that stuff it's like you know what like he's it, i don't care where he comes from he's if he's, I mean, he's standing in a in the in a Danish street, so I assume that he's Danish, and um, and yeah, like if if that's the part of it, what he relates to, then I don't, uh, I mean, of course, this is an ad, so so it might also simply just be an actor, but if nothing else, if that's what a, a black person in Copenhagen relates to, um, that's his prerogative, man.
0: Yeah, well, ex- exactly. I mean. If if it was a white person that was saying that, that had moved from, I don't know, from France to, to two generations ago, his grandparents went there and he he was saying this, people wouldn't have a problem. They no, would they, say, wouldn't, they, they wouldn't. Have they would not care. They would say, oh yeah, he's he's Danish, but because of the colour of his skin, people go, oh well, he can't be a Viking. It's like, no. Yeah, just... just Forget it's, about it, people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it doesn't work like that, and and unfortunately, just within this community, I think we we have to be hyper vigilant with this kind of thing to to make sure that we try and stamp it out because it seems to be every you know every week there is there's is somebody related to to this community that gets found out for for this or that or something that they've done or or says something or uses a symbol in a certain way, you know. Related to white supremacy and and unless we 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 literally do start to try and take a stand back against it and and educate people that, that that's not what these things stand for then i I generally do believe that we'll lose more and more you know more of the symbols and more of the ability to to use them out in public and out kind of in in the public sphere without being challenged and challenged wrongly as well.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, in that sense, you could say that this is about the the, the survival of, um, of of modern Viking culture. If um, if if this keeps being um, labeled as as um, racist as something that um, is is hostile to other peoples, then it's gonna disappear. That's, that's the real problem. It's going to disappear because in so many ways, in so many scenarios, people are going to stop uh, engaging with it. And I, I think, you know, uh, the 1950s and 60s uh, in Europe was a great example of that. Pre-World War II, there was Viking stuff and uh, all, of, all of those things all over the place. And then after
0: World War Two, people were like, ah, no, that, that sucks. And, yeah, that's because the, <laughs> the, the, pe- the pesky Nazis came along and just yeah. tried to stay claim to a bunch of it. And, and it's just, it's so, it's just so annoying and deflating to keep having to, to come up against it. But it's something that's not going to go away and seems to be occurring more, more and more. the, whilst it might sound like we bang on about it quite a lot it's it's if if people are getting grief for for wearing a milner or you know using a certain rune on their instagram feed if they get grief for that then then that person might just take a step back and not want to be involved because they they don't want to be associated with with what other people from the outside think as as being racist so unless you Unless we can find a way to stop it and, and try and stop these people from claiming more and more and trying to use the things that the you know we all appreciate, then we are just going to keep losing it.
1: Yeah, and and I mean a great example of this is is social media. If you, uh, as you said, if you're using a rune uh, that is labeled as like associated with people who do hate speech and believe in white supremacy and all that stuff. Um, well, next step is that Facebook might close down your page and like, that is a cultural infringement upon us, uh, those of us who are Scandinavian, those of us who are into the Viking stuff that, that you just like, that is, um, that is unreasonable. Right. And that comes because there's a small minority, uh, of, uh, of people out there who, who, actually do hate other races and use these symbols right that's just just not fair that's just not okay
0: yeah and i think we're living in a world where a lot of people unfortunately gather gather what they know and their knowledge from things like memes yeah. and it's <laughs> it sounds silly to say but so many people you know in it so if you see a meme that says you know something ridiculous about white supremacy and, and they're using a symbol people see that and it stays in their mind so the next time they see that they just automatically associate that with with white supremacy i think the people have to remember that you have kind of like three groups you have people who, who are into the viking culture and, and know quite a lot about it on, or taking an, an interest into what these things really mean then you've got the assholes of the white supremacists who take these things and use them but then you have everybody else who's on the outside of both of those groups and that outside group is like a hundred times bigger than the other two groups. So they're the people who are seeing these things from, you know, from the white supremacy side and seeing these things and being influenced and they don't have any understanding of the Viking, the actual Viking culture. So the, all they know and you can't really blame the people on the outside because they don't know any better. Cause it's just not, you know, it's just not their thing. This is just not their, 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 their type of interest. So, Somebody who has, you know, no interest in the Viking age, they see see one of these memes or they see something come up or they see something on the news where they're carrying the tear banner or the Othala rune on on a banner and they and they see that. And so so they automatically associate that with, with racism. So then when an innocent post scrolls up on their screen and they see you know, see one of these things used in the correct manner, then they automatically go, Oh, well, that person must be a racist. Yeah. Which is why I think we need to go out of our way to make sure we try and educate the people who are on the outside who don't know any better. And whilst it's not their fault, they do, you know, it would be nice just to say, you know, hang on a minute, maybe this is what it actually means. And they, you know, those people over there have taken it and are just sort of abuse, abusing it and, and using it for the, for the wrong reasons.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with that. And you know, so that, yeah,
0: that's, that's my little rant.
1: <laughs> it's a good
0: rant. So let, let's let's jump into Rollo before we go too deep too deep down this rabbit hole once again. Yeah. Okay. So you wanted
1: to know the historical background to Rollo.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, this is one of the figures that I'm most interested in, probably from a personal, um, for a personal reason. When once I found out that my surname was sort of, what once I did like a test and I found out like. My bloodline wasn't really from Scandinavia, and it mostly came from uh, the Normandy region. And my surname came from from the north of France, from the Normandy region. I was like, hmm, maybe that's my that's my <laughs> maybe that's my in. Maybe that's how I'm gonna stake my claim to being a Viking, like everybody else.
1: <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I'm gonna have to say that you know, I uh, personally. As somebody who researches this, I, 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 I feel that um, that uh, anybody who who has their uh, feet uh, deep enough planted in the um, British soil, so to speak, <laughs> um, could claim Vikingness if they want to, um, regardless of skin color, too. But <laughs> you know,
0: I, that's it. I was going to say quickly. I think they did an article which I I will try and find for for the next show. I think the Yorkshire, it's like the Yorkshire post, something one of the, the newspapers over here did an article and they, they did a survey about a bunch of people within, within Yorkshire. And I think they found it was a ridiculously high number of people could be linked back to the Vikings. I think that we, I'll, I'll find that for the next show and we can, we can have a look because it is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um i we also i also have to do my uh, dna testing at some point to figure out uh, (laughs) how much viking i am (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be interesting to see (laughs) i mean i I, i'm doing it more because i'm curious like is is there some some like genetic link to 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 some random place i've never considered that's what i want to (laughs) know
0: yeah yeah that would be cool it's it's definitely interesting to try and find that out okay so okay getting into rollo as a figure
1: uh, in the the Vikings show, he's one of the best attested uh, historically. Um, uh, of course you know the um, the various English kings and so on uh, in the Vikings show have a, a considerable um, good found, uh, historical foundation too but but from from the Viking end of things he's he's the one whom we have a lot of source material upon, that we can actually say that this this is somewhat reliable. Of course, again, as with all, all this material that was written back then in the uh, medieval period, we have to take into consideration that it might not always be, um, you know, entirely correct. Misinterpretations, misunderstandings, um, yeah, straight up inventions and lies are part of, of
0: any... Any medieval source, pretty much. I thought you were about to say it wasn't going to be complicated for once. <laughs> no, well, it's going to be less complicated. <laughs> okay, that's that, that's nice. At least we've got. I, I did figure that this would probably be somebody that we knew quite a lot about. It was going to be more more fact based, hopefully. Yeah, we have we have several uh, uh,
1: French. Uh, uh, sources we have English sources we have Irish sources we have Icelandic sources that we can draw upon in 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 understanding his figure so just to give you some 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 little background stuff so um Rollo probably was born sometime between 845 and 860 somewhere in that realm um I think it is most likely that he was born before 860. but um yeah, so he lived from from around that time until 935-ish at the very latest date. um his the last time he's mentioned is in 928. Uh, so so that's sort of like the, the the lifespan that he had. and of course if he was born in 845 and and lived to uh 9 uh 33 he he would have been um considerably old but but that's not uh, improbable either now uh what do we know about him well we know that he was granted land uh by Charles the Simple uh, one of those one of my f- favorite uh, d- d- so the french they back in the time they, they had such great names for the kings. There was like Charles the Simple, Charles the Bald, Charles the Fat, and so on. And it's, I I just love it, uh,
0: but yeah, Char- they're all called Charles.
1: Well, there's a lot of Charles in there. I don't know if all of them were, were of both the simple, Bold, and fat are all Charles. They, they could have been other names, but nonetheless, it's like you know these like weird uh, <laughs> names that they call them. Um, so. He was granted land by Charles the Simple between nine eleven and nine eighteen, but um, it is possible that he was granted land a little later than that. We know uh, from um, a, an abbey charter that Charles the Simple uh, wrote uh, to an abbey in northern France that um, 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 that Rollo had been granted this land, and that was in nine eighteen. So. So that's sort of the the, the earliest uh, sources that we have. This this abbey charter says that Rollo received land between the Ept and the Riesel uh, uh, rivers, and that's where he granted land to his uh, chieftains, and then he took Rouen uh, for himself. And aside from that, uh, this charter also uh, stipulates that uh, Charles' uh, daughter Gisela was married uh, to or granted in betrothal, I think, to um, to Rollo at that time. Now, considering that that um, uh, Charles the Simple was married uh, just like five years before, Gisla could not have been more than five years um, when she was either betrothed or married to um, uh, Rollo. So either there's a, 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 a either there, there are like three possibilities: some kind of calculation error. Um, uh, that Gisela is actually illegitimate, and so she was born out of wedlock. And uh, the f- the last one is um, uh, that she was actually <laughs> married <laughs> to to him as as a five year old, which, in terms of medieval times, is not improbable either. So so we can go either way on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that been looking at history myself like it does happen and it's not it's not always kind of marriage isn't necessarily how we see it now it was more of a it's more of a contractual thing between between two parties almost to say that you know joining a families for for their own gain through through land it's not always like a a sexual thing as we kind of see marriage obviously it will have been at some point but i imagine that was more of a promise to say look Here's my daughter. Let's 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 keep our things tight. Let's let's be, be, you know, be friends and look after each other.
1: Yeah, and and it's very technical, mechanical, even kind of scenario, right? You're supposed to produce heirs. You know that that's the whole point of the marriage. So yeah, and um, the the reason uh, or or in in um, in exchange for all of this, Rollo then uh, accepted baptism and also um, committed to protect the coastal stretch of northern French. Um, It is said that um, he was also supposed to kiss the king's feet. Now, um, the description goes that he, instead of kneeling down and, and kissing the king's feet, he actually <laughs> took took the the foot up and into t- his mouth as he was standing and then kissed it. <laughs> I don't know if that's sort of one of these uh, um, just like silly stories about northern barbarians, but uh, but yeah. So so that's that's the scenario.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say sounds very viking way to do it right (laughs) i imagine it you know if someone's like a viking's got to kiss somebody's foot i feel like they would bring the foot to them yeah i mean that's that's how we want to perceive it but on the other hand i mean when Ibn fatlan talks
1: about the uh the vikings that he encounters in on the volga river in russia he he mentions that uh in order to pray to to the gods, they actually prostrate themselves in front of the idols like lying flat on the ground so you never know I mean they they, they could probably um, I think there's there, there, you know different scenarios here too um uh, maybe it's easier to, to to kneel before a god uh, than, than, than some random French king <laughs> who knows
0: yeah I mean it depends how much he, he wants that land. Exactly.
1: <laughs> That's another thing. What will you go through to get the land?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe he uh, he he knelt and kissed the foot, but then gave a little wink to the, the the guy who was writing it down and said, "You know, let's let's make me look a little bit better than than that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so
1: um, the history of um, um of the duchy itself, the Duchy of Normandy, is that well. Rollo received that land title and then we see his son William Longsword and his grandson uh, Richard the Fearless uh, solidifying it as a duchy and and start using um, the titles too. So so it's it's a process, you know. Um, Rollo was probably not called Duke of Normandy as such, but but it's it's not entirely clear to me. Okay, so Aside from that, we we are also told by Dudo that William Longsword is actually the son of uh, of Rollo and Papa, uh, the daughter of Berenger, uh, who is the Count of Rennes, um whom uh, well well Rollo basically kidnapped Papa when he captured Bayeux, so that, that there might be two women involved in in his procreating. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, that's like the the overall sort of like brief Wikipedia like rundown of uh, <laughs> of the uh, uh, the historical scenario um, surrounding Rollo.
0: Okay, so to to go back to kind of like the start, do we know how he how he got the land? Yeah. So I mean, historians,
1: including Dudo, um, I, believe, I believe also um, uh, who is the other guy. Um, uh, maybe it's Geoffrey of Malaterra. I can't remember, but but, but a couple of the historians uh, or, or people writing down the, you know, the the history of of Rollo or um, the Duchy of Normandy, um, basically say that he uh, was granted the land because the French at that point couldn't withstand Viking incursions. They they were they were overrun, and uh, this was a I guess you know in many ways a a smart move on behalf of the French king to say you know what let's take one of their uh, the the badass warriors over there and place them right here with his whole army and then he'll make sure the other guys go away and it kind of worked you know (laughs) so it's it's not that uh, that stupid idea when it comes down to it
0: (laughs) right so that makes a lot more sense in the in the fact that it was a it was a peace thing. They were just trying to, trying to stop them, yeah. them attacking. And that's that's so that also was- what
1: you see in, in, in England, right? I mean, the Dane Danelaw uh, between Alfred the Great and Guthrum, um, the treaty that we have a hard time verifying as an actual treaty, um, but it's referred to in various chronicles and, and, and histories, I mean that's also the same scenario. We have a situation where way too many Scandinavian warriors have shown up, and we need to do something to 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 stem the tide.
0: So that that to me would suggest that Rollo was obviously some some had some importance for him to be the person who was picked to have this land. I imagine they wouldn't have just picked any. Any old warrior who was amongst the group, they would have, you know, they would have picked the person who was the who was the leader. So, do we have any knowledge, of kind of, before this happens, of who he was, or you know, just to to kind of say how he had this importance to to be the person who was was chosen for the land? Well, I mean, he. So, so the, his
1: background, his origin is is kind of iffy. Um, he must have been a warlord, right? He must have been high-ranking. He was probably of some kind of like semi-aristocratic background. I say semi-aristocratic because at this point we can't really talk about aristocracy in the same way as medieval times when it comes to Scandinavia. Um, But yeah, so... I've I've left out the whole uh, Scandinavian um, um, ties uh, scenario at this point uh, or until this point because it's um, first of all the name Rollo it has been interpreted as either Hrolver or Hrolleger and that uh, those are both uh, Scandinavian names from the Viking Age the possibility that it's Hrolver is probably the safest. Because uh, we have uh, Saxo, the Danish historian writing *Gesta also using a Latinized uh, version of of the Scandinavian *Hrolver*, uh, that that looks very similar to *Rollo*. Um, I think he writes *Rollo* or something like that. But um, so this, so that tells us that there seems to be a standard for for how you Latinize the name *Hrolver*. And so that, of course, then places him. In the Scandinavian uh, general realm, um, in terms of origins, but where he actually comes from, now that is hotly debated. Uh, back in the early, uh, late 19th century, um, some of the big magnates of um, uh, Old Norse studies, um, Stainstop and uh, Storm, a Dane and a Norwegian, were fighting uh, fiercely over this subject. So, Dudo a Saint Quentin, um, who's writing in the 10th century, says that he comes from Denmark, and uh, this might be supported by uh, the fact that uh, uh, Rollo's great grandson was named Robert the Dane. But we have to take into consideration here that uh, these, you know, French English uh, authors. Of various chronicles and so on, weren't always clear about w- w- where people came from. They just applied these names like Danes, uh, Northmen, and so on to, to uh, everybody from up there. You know, th- 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 that basic way of just, you know, approaching foreigners whom you don't have much of an interest in in terms of their actual identities, right? So, um, so that's one thing. We also know that Rollo, I think, sent his uh, son to one of the most populated or the communities mo- most populated by Danes in Normandy so that he could learn a proper Danish. And I think that's uh, Dudo who claims that too. Now, of course, Dudo was um, actually commissioned by uh, Rollo's descendant. Uh, Robert the Dane, to write the history. So Robert the Dane might have had an interest in, in fashioning a background for himself that was Danish in particular, for reasons that aren't really clear to me. Um, but on the other hand, Dudo is the oldest source who, that is saying that he is from Denmark.
0: Just to, just to quickly say something, you said he went to the area that was heavily populated by the Danes. Would So would you say that, most of the people there who weren't sort of born in Normandy were they were they Danish or were they a mix of kind of like Danish Norwegian? Because what what I'm thinking is obviously if if there's a high population of Danish people there, you would assume that Rollo was the leader of the the <laughs> of the Danes there. He then got it put into power, and the Danes hung around in the in the kingdom, which would point to him being
1: yeah, and d- I mean, we, there, there's also Dudo also mentions that um, he's got ties to 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 Denmark to help Bluetooth's uh, dynasty and so on. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot in that early source that indicates Danish relations, but you know, when it comes down to it, um, what we're dealing with. In Normandy and in England and in Scotland and Ireland, is Scandinavians who speak a language that is very close, uh, like the Danish um, Vikings, the Norwegian Vikings, the Swedish Vikings. They are capable of understanding each other uh, almost fluently, and so so it's like you know. Ultimately, I don't think it matters that much if he was Danish or Norwegian um this this is one of these things as I mentioned you know you have those old school nineteenth century scholars who who were so uh so so busy uh claiming him for themselves, and that's you know a small country syndrome that we're dealing with right there. Denmark got their ass kicked by the Germans, the Norwegians just emerged as a country uh or they like in the nineteenth century late nineteenth century they were still busy trying to get rid of Sweden and and so it plays into all of that beefing ourselves up boosting our our, our coolness right
0: yeah and i mean at the time i assume the country borders were ever changing as as kingdoms were swapping hands and and you know warlords were losing battles the the country it wasn't like we have borders today which are pretty solidified this is denmark this is norway whereas you know back back then, he might have been a little a little looser, so it's hard to say exactly what was what was where and and I agree that I don't think it particularly matters it's he we know that he came from from that area of the world, and we know that he he likely had the you know well he will have had the the old beliefs before then converting to yeah. to christianity i think that's the the main thing yeah absolutely and and as uh, uh,
1: what i also wanted to say we know this from immigrant communities today if you are immigrants who come from roughly the same general area you you tend to you know find each other and and mix in with one another uh, to some extent. I mean, there could be, of course, cultural and religious reasons for not doing it. But uh, we see this all the time. North America is a great example. If you're uh, Dutch, German and Scandinavian, you find yourself in the same Midwestern communities. Um, but yeah, so to just go back to this subject of his origin. So we have Geoffrey of Malaterra and William of Malmesbury. Now, they're later than Dudo of Saint-Quentin. Uh, they're from the 11th and 12th centuries, and they both claim that he's Norwegian. Um, uh, Benoit de Saint-Maur, who uh, gives us a, a curious little uh, detail, he says that um, he, uh, that Rollo actually grew up in Faske. He, he writes that F-A-S-G-E, and he also mentions uh, Skansa, in in that context. And skansa is sort of the standard Latin, uh, Western European word for Scandinavia. Now, scholars have then been debating what this F-A-S-G-E means. Now, there's a town south of Copenhagen in Denmark that uh, is called Faxe. And then there is a town or a now abandoned site, but it was a town back in the Viking Age, or at least a settlement, uh, called Fauske. And so, of course, you know, again, Danish and Norwegian scholars have been fighting each other over whether or not it's it's the one or the other. And then we have the whole saga tradition, right? We have Heimskringla, the uh, collection of Norwegian um, or, you know, sagas of the Norwegian kings. Uh, we have Orkney Saga, the sagas about the Orkneys, uh, who's. Uh, and they're of course from the 13th century, and they claim that um, Rollo uh, is basically the same as this, their character, Gönkögrölver, um, you know, Rolf the Walker, because he was too big to sit on a horse. So that tells you also a little bit about the level of fix, uh, fiction that goes in there. <laughs> and he was the son of uh, the uh, first Earl of the Orkneys, Ragnvald the Aestlinson, who came from Møre in the Trondheim area in Norway. Now, of course, you know, the, the the main criticism you could sort of direct at those uh, sagas is that, well, they say that he was too big to sit on a horse. <laughs> that there might be a certain level of fiction in there and a lot of making stuff up as we go along. Um, you can also, you know, criticize it for being rather late as a source and also rather distant as a source. Um... We can't. We can't ex- assume that the persons writing these sagas would you know, up there in Iceland would necessarily even have ever been to to mainland Europe. So so there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of it, you know uncertainty involved in all of this. But. Um, I mean, there. on the other hand, I think there are, you know, reasonable arguments for both sides that, you know, he could be from the Danish area, he could be from the Norwegian area.
0: I feel like, from my very limited knowledge of it, that I would be more favourable to go for the earlier sources. Just, I feel like, as his legend goes on, and obviously with his, well, he's like great, 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 great grandson being William the Conqueror, once, though, once you know, once, once that happens, and and he's got this fame, so that kind of boosts Rollo's prestige up. That suddenly more people would then want to stake claim to be. Like, oh well, the great Rollo, who who you know his grandson did, great grandson did this, is from here. So I would tend to lean towards the earlier sources who may not be as leaning on on those kind of afterthoughts or things you know the, the after legends almost but what do i know yeah no that's that's that's
1: a that's a very reasonable approach i think um i mean you also have to take into consideration that from modern scandinavian historians you know this is a way for 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 us to say Oh, the Danes! Well, they uh, conquered northern France, and then by implication also England. You know, or or the Norwegians did it, or, and you know it's, 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 it's like a pride uh, uh, issue too for some people. You know, yeah. To so, to get into all of that.
0: Well, that that that's what I'm hoping for, so I can claim my stake back to uh,
1: the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so okay. So by the way, mean. The end-all evidence of all of this uh, is supposed to be a DNA analysis coming out soon. Okay. Now, I I, I know from credible sources, the people doing it, um, (laughs) that... (laughs) Insider
0: knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: That that we're currently waiting for a C-14 dating on what is believed to be Rollo. Um, So, that, that... you know, we're still far down. Uh, 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 the, the, the The end result is still far down the road, and and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um
0: So is that aside from that, is yeah. that on is that on his body? So we're trying to.
1: Yeah, I think it's from his jawbone. Uh, a jawbone. Okay. Uh, analysis. So do we?
0: I was the one thing I was going to ask. Do we? Do we know where he's buried or where he wound up? Is this? Yeah. So this is. This
1: is from the, the, the grave that is supposedly his.
0: Okay. So they're gonna check that and and see whether it actually is him. Yeah, the 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 only problem here is that
1: um I believe in that grave we also found a skeleton of a person who uh is like um Almost like two thousand year old Roman. Oh, okay. <laughs> or something like that. No, it's 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 um it's a curious uh, situation where you're all of a sudden, like, who is this guy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's much older. Wow. Yeah, that, that is a bit odd. Do you think if they um, look at his job on close enough under a microscope, they'll see a little Danish or Norwegian flag there? We can. Uh, oh, I'm sure <laughs> we can finally get a the little answer. Little stamp. Yeah, a little a little stamp there that says where he came from. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sure they will so but that's another thing that we have to consider that that relates to what we were talking about before maybe maybe this thing of uh, like whether or not he came from this part of scandinavia that part of Scandinavia ever mattered because maybe maybe the identity that these people had as they entered the the British Isles and uh Normandy maybe that that became their identity maybe their identity was basically this what you could call diaspora Scandinavian. I mean, it's not like they didn't care about what what was going on in Scandinavia. We see this all the time. Uh, Knut Knut uh, the Great is a good example of this, right? He, I mean, he, his his purpose is to conquer all of Scandinavia along with England and have that as his North Sea Empire, right? Um, but I mean, it, 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 we have to take into account that. It is a separate identity that is being established through these migrations, and that separate identity is is different from the Scandinavian homeland identity, so ultimately i wouldn't I would say that it doesn't matter that much. He was a French duke more than anything <laughs> just like Knut the
0: Great was an English king more than anything <laughs> do we do we know whether a lot of I'm quote unquote Danes. I'm just going to say Danes because that's what you said earlier. <laughs> so do we do we know whether a, a, a bunch of, of those people stayed in the area once this land was given to him? Do we find you know that there are little settlements of of Danes Vikings there who then kind of assimilate over to the to the French way of life from there? Yeah. So I mean, we can see that first of all, they don't assimilate
1: um that quickly i mean it's the same process as we see it um in the british isles of the danelaw that that they they retain aspects of their scandinavian identity well, of course one of the things that they seem to do very quickly is uh, to convert to christianity uh, that's sort of a prerequisite for settling and um, aside from that it I mean, we can see from Norman dialect, uh, Norman French dialect, that there's there's plenty of Scandinavian influence, in especially when it comes to like maritime pursuits, uh, fish, various kinds of uh, sea dwelling animals, and so on. Um, that 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 there was an influence uh, uh, from Scandinavia there. There are place names, Scandinavian place names, and there are also. Um, you know, archaeological evidence of, of Scandinavian presence. So, you know, we have pretty much the same scenario as you do in, in the Danelaw. You have an influx of, of a considerable amount of Scandinavians that settle and then slowly begin to assimilate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously what what comes next is, is kind of what puts it down in history as this important place. Um, I think that's kind of what gives it all you know, really solidifies it as an important place in human history, I guess, or certainly in British history. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, like, they are ultimately responsible
1: for conquering England, right? And here's the interesting thing. So, so in, Engli- in English history, that's like a Norman slash even French conquest of sorts, like, at least by some scholars, is how it's been cast. But um, if we go back to this notion of a separate identity... Then so what is happening in this period from the um from the mid 800s and and up to 1066 well what we have is like an a a integration of scandinavians into these areas in northern france in in england and in scotland in ireland family lines of the rulers become you know so entwined that uh, when you, for instance, I believe I've said this a million times now, but when you talk about Harold Godwinson as like an Anglo-Saxon king, please take into consideration his mother was Norwegian, right? <laughs> it's like whoa, very Anglo-Saxon. Um, and in the same way, um, when when William the Conqueror shows up, we can see from 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 after his conquest that there are a, a couple of place names here and there in in the English area that. Take on a Norman first name and a Scandinavian uh, suffix like Roberti, Roberts B, right? And B it means settlement or dwelling or, or something like that in Scandinavian. So, like, what is going on here? There's got to be some kind of a, you know a cultural overlap here of this. Um, you know, what could you call it like viking trans north sea identity that that plays a part here so so we're dealing with a norman conquest that's for sure but uh, that norman conquest seems to be very closely linked to the scandinavian political dealings in the english area in general and and that's that's actually a significant difference from the the notion that this is like a french conquest or something like that
0: yeah that's that's definitely interesting to to find out that it was, you know, that they still had those those roots still, still coming through even a couple of hundred years after, you know, it first had happened. Is there? I mean, would that would it be common that, that once Rolo was given this land and the people that were originally with him kind of settled there and and started to have families and, and make settlements? Would would more people from sort of the from Scandinavia then come down? And settle there, or would it be a case of that they were closed off? Once this kind of happened, they they likely just stayed to themselves there, and just got on with the people who were already there, and then grew from there. Or, or is it likely that more would have would have joined? So, I
1: I I don't have a good sense of this in terms of Normandy, but what I know from the Dane law example is that um, the first. The first Scandinavians to show up, who are uh, who then managed to, you know, settle. Uh, they aren't necessarily particularly thrilled about new Scandinavians showing up. <laughs> um, I mean, again, you see this with um, with immigrant communities in various countries today too. Like you, the the the, the already established immigrant community is not particularly thrilled about um, immigrants, new immigrants coming from the outside. Um, so th- th- this, I would say, it probably comes down to the relations that uh, that the the Duke of Normandy <laughs> would have to his ancestral whatever area in Scandinavia, right? Now, if if it was possible um, that that there were, or if it's true that there were ties to say the r- royal dynasty of Harold Bluetooth then we're dealing with Harold Bluetooth who's a danish king his son Svein Forkbeard who goes to england and you know is said to have conquered england dies 9 months later in 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 lincolnshire and then Knut the great and uh so so i i think it's it's possible that um you could see some influx if we have these good ties to to these areas uh, up north, some influx of peoples from there in different capacities, um, to the extent that there's land available or it is an opportune situation for trade, uh, or we need military, right? That's probably the capacity in which new people would have come.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to obviously keep feeding into the the old ideas of... of of people, because some of these people coming down wouldn't have Christianized yet, and I guess that kind of keeps that fire burning underneath a little bit, and may explain why these things travelled into into England, I guess, in 1066.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and um, we we should also not discount the, the possibility of of interactions and close interactions between Normandy and the Danelaw uh there probably was uh, a good uh, good amount of uh, of of crossover in different ways i mean just think about it right if you are say a norwegian uh, viking and you have established yourself in well yorvik right and you want to do trade and you have a cousin in Juan. <laughs> like, I mean, you're, you're going to be back and forth between these areas uh, at least a couple of times, right? And, you know, trading like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess that's... I never really thought of it like that. The, the, the you know, the, the Danes, you know, the Vikings in in England would probably favour, like, Rollo and, and the descendants there to come and maybe fight on their side rather than on the Saxon side, people who they've been battling with for... Yeah, for however long. Yeah, I mean, so so
1: that's that's another question, right? Like, what is actually the relationship between Scandinavians and and the Saxons in 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 England? Um, I mean, I <laughs> the the written material we have on this is so so laced with uh, propaganda <laughs> that it's very difficult to see what was the actual reality behind this. Sometimes we see that they. Um, they're busy making the Danes or Northmen or whatever they call them the enemy and at other times they seem to be like you know, trying to make them you f- part of the community and then you also have to, you know, the genocide <laughs> and and so on, apparently because the Vikings were taking baths, you know <laughs> combing their hair. <laughs> so yeah, so this this like uh this there, it's it's really. A dense thicket that you have to like, you know, bury through here in order to, to get to some kernel of truth in in how these identities actually related to one another and what the hell these identities even were.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that you've done a good job. Um I know it's not always the easiest for you to, to just but I, I throw a topic at you normally a week in advance and you you bury away and uh, make all these notes and, <laughs> and come back and do a, a pretty damn good job of uh, explaining it to me. Well, thanks. <laughs> so that's always fun. I, I, I personally think we we probably should leave it there with Rollo. And, and I know we've got a few good questions about Rollo, so it'll be nice to look at them. But I, I don't think we should go too much into, into kind of like William the Conqueror, 1066. I think that probably could be a standalone episode on its own. From from what I learned at school, I know that there's there's a lot of things going on there. There's there's you know, brothers falling out and betrayal and, and all sorts. So I think we, we would be here for another two hours if we started going down that rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I've certainly learned a lot. I, I see so we know that Rollo is a is a real person. He was given the land. We don't really know where he came from. Uh we know that he you know, he kept people stayed in, in Normandy with him and, and that and that is kind of proven with, with the conquest into England with with kind of like the names and the place names that there is some obvious link still to Scandinavia there. Okay, let's let's jump into some questions. First question is coming from me. So you always hear or well, I, I always kind of hear it that Normans comes from North North men, Northmen. Northmen. Is that true? Is there any kernel of truth to that, or is that kind of like one of these things that somebody's made up, or maybe even I made it up to make myself feel better, to make myself think that I came from uh, <laughs> Scandinavia?
1: No, it's that one is true. Norman is is the the, the uh, uh, French uh, version of Northman, and and then of course, if you if you're adherent to the, the theory that the, the Normans came from Norway then you wanna apply it to that, but it looks like, you know, as we see it in the in, in the written material, the 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 chroniclers they don't distinguish between Danes and Norwegians and Swedes and whatever else was mixed in. So it's just like people from the north. So that's what that's what that means, yeah.
0: That's a, a nice straightforward answer for once. For once. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's look at some of the other ones. Um so I think one interesting one is from Frankie Fire, and that is: is there any actual link between Ragnar and Rollo? So obviously, you know, they they are brothers in the show, and and there's betrayal and all things that go on there. But is there, you know, is there is that fiction for the show? Or is there any kind of evidence that they even met or any mention? So there's there's nothing nothing really.
1: There's not much that that suggests that they actually um, had anything to do with one another. Um, the siege of Paris seems to happen too early for 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 you know Rollo to have been present, um, and um, well, Ragnar Lothbrok this. Uh, might have been responsible or one of the chieftains involved in the siege of Paris. Um, at least if we believe the Frankish sources um saying that uh, this was Raykin Heros uh, and that is the same guy. But no it, it, he's like Rollo seems to show up later and be the one who sort of like fixes the situation for the French um, after the experience of the siege of Paris. Um, but yeah, there's, there's nothing that, that that can really link the two in that sense. Um, I mean, so in what is typical of especially the Icelandic traditions in the literature in general is to include Ragnar Lothbrok in everybody's <laughs> lineage if they're an uh, uh, awesome important dude.
0: So that that seems to be a case of the the writers of the show of have, have picked up these these historical figures and and weaved. Uh, story together based on that
1: oh yeah absolutely and it 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 makes sense i would do the same thing i think if somebody asked me to to write a show like that because uh you have the perfect uh, uh, possibility for brother tension and and betrayal and all that stuff so that's the kind of stuff you want to see on tv anyway right
0: exactly that's that's it so the next question comes from chainmail UK. i think we pretty much touched on it anyway in the show and it was just Regarding when when Rollo is given the the deeds and the, and and the land, did he sever all contact with his homeland, or you know was there there still kind of trade there? I think I think there was
1: contact. Um, I, I I think Dudo is probably telling the truth when he says that there there is that contact to. Well, if he's telling the truth, then it would be Denmark, um, to to the the royal house in Denmark.
0: Perfect. Um, the next one is from undrask.art and I'm probably going to butcher this because it's got a French name in there. So I apologize in advance to, to any French people listening. Um, so it's any, is there any information relating to Dive Samur and Falaise relating to Rollo or Will, which I assume is William the Conqueror? Yeah, so I... Do not know. I'm sorry to say like that. That is, uh,
1: my my knowledge does not extend uh, that far. Um, So, but that is probably something that we could um, research for uh, for the next episode and see if uh, if there's anything I can come up
0: with. Yeah, maybe just give a. We could just. Well, I say I say we. You could probably (laughs) have a have a little look and see if there's anything. there um i mean i always find it very commendable when you're happy just to say you don't know because i, I assume there's a lot of people that would maybe just make a little something up um yeah i, I try not to like my 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 biggest failing
1: i guess is it's uh somebody with the historical knowledge is that i i get numbers mixed up once in a while so i screw up in dates but uh <laughs> but i try to try to not do you know uh, state more than I know.
0: <laughs> no, that's. I think it's always the best way. I think people respect you a lot more when you when you're happy to just be. You know, I don't know that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, the the last question comes from Ad underscore Einheinheinheya, and it is, what part did the mythology have in the lives of the sort of like the big names, sort of legends, um, although at least like the big names of the time when they were going out raiding. So. You know, would the mythology play any part in Rollo or like Harold Finehair? Would you know? Would would he play a role in it? Would they take inspiration from it? Would it make them sort of fight better? I guess I don't. I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, no. I I think it must have played an a important role. So, I mean, the situation in Scandinavia before Christianity comes along is that these kings and chieftains they. you know they are to some extent at least like presiders over the religion um if we go to neil price's theories on what the sutton who helmet was used for and and the similar type of helmets from Valskera and wendel in sweden um of which there have been plenty of others we we also have indications that such helmets existed in in the danish area and i believe also in the norwegian area um like Neil Price's theory is that when let's just say it's Redwald when Redwald sits there in his long uh, hall um and sits there by the end of the uh, uh, in 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 the hall with like a fire in front of him and he puts on that helmet that you know that is like a ritual scene that sort of um, melds his, uh, his figure, his hum- himself as a as a person with Odin as a figure, right? Uh, so as a ruler, he also becomes the ruler of the gods, it's like a physical manifestation of Odin. That's how these chieftains and rulers played it out. Um, the the stories that we read about like um, Valhalla and like Odin and the einheria and all of that stuff right? That, that basically emulates what kind of scenario you would see those chieftains and kings in before they converted to Christianity. So, so I'm, I'm very sure that, um, uh, that a guy like Rollo, and before he converted, he, he would have been inspired to, to do and think, uh, the things that he did and thought, um, f- by, by the mythology, right? That's also what the whole point of Scaldic poetry is. You, you, you're a scold you compose praise poetry for a king and you lace that uh, um, praise poetry with nordic mythology and references to gods and giants and all of that stuff so it was part of their whole world like this was this was their way of thinking basically which also means then you have to ask like wow uh, how did they manage to uh you know, convert to Christianity that quickly. <laughs> but hey, I guess land. <laughs>
0: that's it. Yeah, when someone offers you something you want, it's it's funny what people will do for it. Right? <laughs> perfect I think that's a, a good place to leave it. It's I think it's been a long episode today. Hopefully people have found it very informative. I find Rollo to be a very kind of intriguing character because of his dynasty and what comes comes after oh he
1: certainly is he, he, definitely a very interesting figure and um and it, i i find him incredibly interesting because of the all the ties that he and his family seem to have across you know the channel and across the north sea as well in so many different ways
0: perfect yeah so let's let's leave it there and we'll be we'll be back next time
1: yeah thank you all for listening
0: thank you very much see you there.
1: saying less um yeah. and so on i think
0: that we, we're, we're gonna get better and better i think i think our chemistry is definitely improved as we go along and hopefully we're getting into a nice flow of things and we, i think we're going in the right direction anyway
1: i totally agree thanks everybody for listening
0: thank, yeah, thank you very much and we'll see you next time
1: they show up on the shores the linguistic differences between the languages that are being spoken by these Angles and Saxons in, in England um, and then the Scandinavians aren't that big, they would be able to communicate with one another it's not like what we see in Vikings where they're like oh, I have to learn your language it's more like, oh, you speak my language but it's broken <laughs> you know So, so they're much more you know similar than different
0: yeah so i mean so they already knew that the britain was there That it wasn't a case of like i guess if anybody's watched the show vikings as you as you just referenced <laughs> in the first episode i think ragnar has like his little stone and it, it's almost like they a discovering of a new land yeah no, um, no that's kind that's, of how it's made out to be it's you know it's it's it's. I've got this stone, it lets me go. You know, sail sail to, to, to a different place, and we've discovered this new land that's that's got wealth. And
1: yeah, no, we have pre Viking age um, Scottish artifacts found in Norwegian graves. So there's there's communication across. Um, yeah, this they, they they know about each other, and to some extent, there are relations too. And um, and that, of course, then of course should tell us that when when we, when we see them in the source material um, talking about each other, um, especially the, the Saxons talking about these Northmen or Danes or heathens, as they usually call them, as, uh, um, when they talk about them as, as something that they don't really know or understand, um, that's political. It's, it's because it's because all of these people showed up and and started conquering stuff. That's why we don't like them. It's not because we don't know who they are. It's not because they they are like in fundamentally different from us. You know, they're probably you know, they are very certainly primarily pagans, right um, and and uh, we're dealing with uh, English kingdoms uh, that are Christian at this time, but nonetheless, aside from that, we know pretty much who, who we're dealing with here. We we know that that oh these these guys are the ones who are doing the same thing as our you know ancestors that we saw the light and became Christians instead, and and that's the main difference between us. And then the fact, of course, that they kind of seem to want to conquer stuff at this point.
0: Yeah, so it's not it's not just some new some new race of people that have never been seen before that. Are, Giants and swinging these giant axes around.
1: (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) And and the other thing is that you know this it is what we can see is also when we look at you know the prolifer the proliferation of artifacts in trade ports in Scandinavia in this period in the Viking Age when we can see that there is a drop in trade that's when we see you know warfare intensifying. So. What we're really dealing with here is, is, uh, you know, local chieftains, rulers, and so on, trying to maintain a steady income. And if they can't get that from trade, then they get it from warfare and conquest. That, of course, then begs the question, what is the Scandinavian motivation for going, you know, to the British Isles particularly? Because that is something that they do. And, And, I mean, you you can see this from all the Scandinavian place names scattered around the, the English countryside uh, there's there's a, a very big influx of Scandinavians in this period it, they're probably just doing exactly what their cousins did uh, you know the Anglo-Saxons and Jutes that came from southern Scandinavia and northern Germany uh, these later Scandinavians 300 years later 400 years later they they know what's up they they're like yeah Let's go do what uh, you know. Those you know distant cousins did some some several hundred years ago. Let's uh, just you know go colonize. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's go take some take some wealth. Yeah, and you
1: know what? Maybe maybe they they even expected you know a friendly greeting. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, like... you don't. I mean, you don't know. You see, I mean, you again. You've got to remember, it's a different time. There's there's no internet. There's no kind of like, let's just see what's going on over there. Let's message our our friends who who moved to a different land. You, they have no idea. They probably have no idea what they're ultimately going to find.
1: No, and um, I mean, they, they, all they know is reports from uh, traveling merchants, right, that are coming through the area, and and if some traveling merchant says, you know what, there are these, you know, awesome places where. Uh, they have a bunch of gold and they have no guards because all they do is pray to some god we don't know anything about. Then of course somebody's going to say, "Well, that's an easy target. That's my sitting duck right there. Let me shoot it."
0: <laughs> well, that, that that's it. That's I mean, let's go make a name for ourselves. Let's uh, let's go take some gold. Yeah, exactly. What is
1: really interesting is, of course, this concept of the Dane law that's then being established, right? And um, because we we then have a treaty that is being settled where we sort of like define some kind of uh, weird boundary uh, between where Scandinavians are and um, where where the uh, Saxons are. But the thing about this Dane law is that we can't really find any really solid evidence for actual legal concepts that are specific to the Dane law and also similar to what we see in Scandinavia. So so it's not like, you know, this is quote-unquote Danish law that rules this area. Um, It's more something that that has to do with um, ethnic distinctions, perhaps. Because we see, you know, in times of political turmoil, the, the difference between Danes or Northmen, as they are also called, and then Angles and Saxons or Anglo-Saxons is being invoked, you know, again and again. And we also have, you know, genocides, Um, attempted exterminations of Scandinavians um, and then retaliations as well. And that is where things really start to integrate in the beginning of the thousands. And then, of course what we already have at that point is an integrated elite, right? We have a English, Scottish to, uh, even, and then Scandinavian elite that is being more and more integrated. And that's, of course, also part of where Normandy fits into the picture, right? Because what do we have in the beginning of the thousands? Well, we have Knut the Great who manages to take over, um, what is it in uh, 10, 16 to 18, He's um he's waging war and then he gets elected um, in the Wheaton as King of England. He's more a King of England than he's a King of any Scandinavian country, even though we Danes love to say that he's a Danish King. And then, you know, um, uh, some 40, uh, no, 50 years later, we have, um, we have Willem the Conqueror showing up. And who is Willem the Conqueror? Well, he's a cousin. Of, of these guys <laughs> right
0: yeah I always um, I always find that quite interesting because my my kind of like lineage goes back to the to the Norvids so it's always been my little sneaky way of being like oh well you know because of the Vikings so there's a link there yeah there you go <laughs> it's always uh, there's always a way to link back to the Vikings one way or another
1: yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, again, like if we go back to the example of the Goths. So we have these um, Vikings that go to Normandy, get land, and then, you know, start speaking f- some kind of French. And they, they use their own terminology for certain things, uh, several, uh, you know, maritime words in French, uh, and especially in Norman French. Um, a direct descendant of, of Scandinavian, the same in English, right? When when the, the the whole thing goes down at Stamford Bridge, right? What do we have? We have Harold Godwinson, the so called last Anglo Saxon king, on the one side, and we have um, um, Harold Hardruler, a so called Norwegian king, on the other side. Why is Harold Hardruler there? Well, he's there because he's got a family tie claim to the throne. And Harold Godwinson, as much as he is Anglo-Saxon, his mother uh, is Scandinavian and then you know Harold Govinson is lucky enough to defeat his cousin <laughs> or distant cousin and that's when his other distant cousin then shows up what 8 months later and and defeats him at Hastings
0: <laughs> oh, i it's, it's such a mess <laughs> it
1: is such a mess it is it's
0: such a mess <laughs> um, i don't i don't think we or anybody can ever straighten out completely
1: no, no, of course not. Um, but it's interesting though that you know when we talk about English history, Norman Conquest is sometimes, at least, maybe more often than not, represented as some kind of like French invasion, right? Yeah. But but it's not a French
0: no, no. invasion the, the, more
1: than anything. <laughs> like
0: the, the Vikings got us one way or another. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> and that's <laughs> when and you. That- I, I think our uh, you know our histories our our DNA is 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 locked together no matter how you how you look at it whether you're you're english or you're scandinavian oh yeah. you know our the histories are just entangled for forever i think you're right about that <laughs> right i think that's a, a a good place to to wrap this up it's been a I think it's been a long one but hopefully we we're straightened out a few things a few a few words that that people get thrown about, and, and hopefully straighten it out for, for going forward, so people have a better understanding about what all these things mean. And I, I certainly do. Well, that's, uh, I'm I'm
1: glad that, that you do. I I, I hope uh, um, your listeners are
0: bear with me uh, yeah. as I no, go no. on these long rants. And no, they trust me. The messages we get, they they definitely enjoy. Enjoy that's the long one, rants. That's that's
1: wonderful. If nothing else, you can always pause. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's... Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so going forward, we, we, we're going to try and commit to two episodes a month on the 1st and the 15th of every month. So just try and get a bit more structure, try and get a bit, a bit more regularity to it so you guys know exactly when we're going to be releasing the next episode so you can anticipate it.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and and we love those uh, listener questions. So um, we're we're going to put in a segment at the end of uh, each uh, episode from now on where we take questions um, that uh, Daniel will uh, uh, pick out of a hat or something like
0: that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll advertise them for on our Instagram, and we'll uh, we'll make a list. You know, yeah, do a couple each each show. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. And basically, yeah. I mean, if anybody has, has any feedback for us, any anything you'd like us to add or anything we, we could alter or do better, f- feel free to let us know. I mean, pos- positive or negative feedback is always the best way to learn. It's We're, we're not going to get upset if you say, you know, we like the show, but maybe if you did this, obviously, please don't just come at us and be like, you know, it, it's it's shit. It, stop doing what you're doing.
1: But you at least, guys you know, suck.
0: It, yeah, you, you guys are terrible. Like at least, you know, if you if you come and say, you know, start out with something nice, maybe we enjoy the show. But and then and then, you know, just let us know what we could we, we could maybe do better, what we could change. We we we're both learning at this. We're both you know trying to do try to pick up as we go along.
1: We certainly are. I want to yeah. thank everybody who has been listening to this uh, episode. And I am looking forward to hearing your comments and feedback and questions in the future.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's been a long one, so hopefully you've all all enjoyed it. and uh, we will we will see you soon.